Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today we're going to talk about Biden bounced, Attorney General Barr in Italy, Dems hysterical, a prearranged impeachment, and the cancel culture backfire. And finally, of course, a tie why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. For today's first five, I want to talk about something the Joe Biden campaign did. Former Vice President Biden, now running for president, had his staff send a letter this past week to the major networks in this country. He sent to top news channels um, and also to uh, just the uh, top television media people, basically arguing, saying, asking those officials, those all these uh, media officials to no longer book Rudy Giuliani as a guest on their show. This is a presidential campaign on the Democrat side, who's basically everything on the Democrat side, is supported by the overwhelming majority of mainstream media sources that support leftism. And this guy, Biden, is worried about letting these networks occasionally have Giuliani on. This is a letter addressed to heads of all the major news and cable networks, top news anchors, two top Biden campaign advisors wrote the letter making the case that by because they claim, they describe the uh, interviews with Rudy Giuliani, President Trump's attorney, that uh, it's just so unfair because he's saying things, especially about Biden and Hunter in the Ukraine, uh, that his presence on the airwaves is editorially untenable. So, what they went on to say, it's very interesting because these two, these characters, two people in the Biden campaign, obviously realized someone's going to leak this. Someone's going to put out there, by the way, we heard from the Biden campaign, they're trying to say Rudy Giuliani should not be allowed to be interviewed or make statements on air um, because they don't like what Giuliani is pointing out about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the Ukraine and eventually be about China too. They actually use the expression, they're writing today with grave concern that you continue to book Rudy Giuliani. And they actually say, the the two top aides, one is Anita Dunn and the other one is Kate Bedingfield. More on this Anita chick in a moment. But they're saying, if you're going to continue to let Rudy Giuliani be on your news shows, that we want equal time. We want someone from our campaign to rebut what Giuliani is saying about the Biden campaign. People, I have to tell you, the level of arrogance this represents, that this, you know, president-to-be, this what he thinks he's the heir apparent to the presidency, thinks that he should get to tell the media in this country what they're allowed to do. Imagine, just, just imagine the reverse. Imagine if two top aides to President Trump wrote letters to all the major news media and complained about the legions of people they put on every day that pile on Trump every single day, everything he does. Just imagine the mockery with which that letter be greeted by all these news outlets. But they send this letter. One particular thing I think is um, they uh, <laughs> they are saying that um, they want you know equal time for their person. 
But one thing's interesting, one of these campaign people, by official Biden campaign people writing this letter, Anita Dunn, she actually said in 2009, she outed herself when she said, she worked for the Obama administration at that time, and she said at that time, she was a fan of, and they asked about her favorite um, thinkers, her, her favorite um, philosophers, Mao Zedong, among the most murderous of all leaders in all of human history, Mao Zedong and oddly uh, Mother Teresa, who, who can explain this person. But the arrogance coming out of the Biden team and how much it tells you about how much the Biden team is getting underneath, the, that uh, Giuliani is getting under Biden's skin. Because Giuliani is saying things that is really is helping the American people wake up to see how irrational and unfair and unjust this impeachment inquiry is. One more thing on Biden before we go to our clip. Also today, Peter Schweitzer, the author of the book, Secret Empires, I've been urging you to read. Peter Schweitzer wrote an extremely detailed footnoted book explaining all the corruption of high level people in Washington. These kind of inner circle of the ruling elite class people, the Bidens are in there, the Carries are in there. And he's an equal opportunity critic. Peter Schweitzer, author of Secret Empires, also included in that book, Mitch McConnell and his wife, Elaine Chao, and their connections with China, and he describes them as very corrupt. So, you know, he's not just a partisan hack. He was trying to expose corruption. But Schweitzer came out today essentially saying he's decided he's going to release the source materials he used in writing about the connection between the Biden family, Joe Biden and his son Hunter, and China. And it goes to this question of whether or not the uh, the Bidens un- wrongfully benefited from a deal with China. In fact, the deal he had with, they had with China, there was an acknowledgement on the part of the Chinese entity that they had chosen Hunter Biden to be involved because of his network in America. His, just think what you must they must mean by the network. They mean because he's related to the vice president. In any case, Schweitzer has been ridiculed heavily these days because what he wrote about, what he laid out in his book, Secret Empires, is now coming back to the headlines. What he wrote about the Ukraine, what he wrote about China is now in the world's, uh, everyone in the world's watching and knows it. And so uh, he's, he's actually not backing down to all the, uh, in response to criticism. He's saying, actually, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. You can see what I saw uh, and you can judge for yourself. So he's completely unafraid, going to put out the facts he has. I will tell you, we're about to go to the clip of Rudy Giuliani um, talking about uh, Trump, about Biden and the Ukraine. And you can see why Giuliani is so effective, why he's driving the Biden campaign nuts. But I'll close with this idea before we get to that clip. The fact that the Democrat majority U.S. House is moving at record speed to move toward impeachment of President Trump based on a phone call that he's the transcript is out. Everyone's seen what was said. The whistleblower's complaint is out. It has a lot of shady aspects to it. But what Pelosi and truly the Democrat, the cabal that really runs that party are saying to Joe Biden is, you need to get out of this race. If they were, if they thought Biden was their guy, if they thought Biden could win this and Biden was who they want, they wouldn't think of bringing this impeachment action against Trump over his nothing burger 
interaction with Ukrainian President Zelensky when they know it just was going to bring a firestorm, which it has, a firestorm of coverage over Biden's connections to the Ukraine and, and his son, Hunter Biden, and with China also. So Pelosi's pretty much saying, Joe Biden's got to get out. You know, he can be a, you know, he's going to be kind of collateral damage in our impeachment effort because they really want Trump gone. So Biden is being booted out, in my view, by the Democrats. Now let's play, if you would please, the very, very wonderful producer, Matt, play this little clip from uh, Rudy Giuliani with Maria Bartiroma uh, talking about Biden and the Ukraine. Donnie, did President Trump hold back aid to Ukraine because he wanted them to invest, uh, investigate Joe Biden and his son? Isn't the best answer to that the, the telephone conversation? Although the Democrats said that falsely before it came out, and Schiff pretended that he did in that ridiculously falsified thing that he did at the beginning. He, look at the transcript. Is there any mention of military aid? No. Did he did, hold back the aid? No. Did you work with other I lawyers? I have never, in my discussion. Did you work with other lawyers, Victoria Tunsing, Joseph de Genova, to, to try to get dirt on Joe Biden? No. I, I didn't work with anybody to try to get dirt on Joe Biden. The dirt on Joe Biden was handed to me by the Ukrainians amazed that the FBI hadn't asked for this a year earlier, completely shocked and worried that our system of justice was flawed. That, folks, says it all. That last segment, Giuliani is saying to Marie Bartiroma, he didn't even have to go digging for stuff about the corruption between Joe and Hunter Biden and the Ukraine. The Ukrainian government gave it to him. Now, I have to tell you, in closing out this first five today, if you read all sorts of sources, and which I do, I read all sorts of sources online, you can find the reliable left-wing sources just repeatedly determined to use language like, you know, debunked uh, in, in characterizing the corruption between the Bidens and the Ukraine and the Bidens and China. You can find all sorts of left-wing sources characterizing that corruption as debunked, as mythical, as, you know, right-wing hysteria, no basis in fact. In fact, they're already at it right now, trying to say everything coming out about the Bidens, uh, Hunter and Joe, and the Ukraine, and Hunter and, and China, you know, just been thoroughly debunked, ridiculous, you know, resurrecting out of desperation is the way they're describing uh, the accusations. But the truth is, as Peter Schweitzer is showing America, as Rudy Giuliani is telling America, Biden is up to his eyeballs in, I don't know if you want to use the word collusion. He has been right over there in Ukraine, as he said, on national television, twisting their arm, forcing them to fire a prosecutor investigating his son's company and threatening on open television, acknowledging threatened withholding aid. Biden is up to his eyeballs. He committed the crimes for which they are now trying to claim, uh, accuse Trump of in this impeachment process. So. At the bottom line of it all, the Democrats are wishing to heck they can get Biden out of this race. And in my view, Biden will be out very shortly. He cannot withstand the scrutiny of his conduct. And that, my friends, is today's first five. You know, I want to um, talk a little bit about this uh, story that came out, uh, is kind of emerging in Washington. Attorney General Barr, you know, appointed by President Trump, sworn in, I think it was Valentine's Day, sworn in as Attorney General on Valentine's Day of this year, announced last week that he was going to Italy last this past Wednesday, went to Italy on an official business trip. And so a lot of ears perked up in Washington when Barr said that 
And let me back up and say, Attorney General Barr, as you well know, is involved in, is has a responsibility to engage in the complete investigation, and he's working on how did this whole coup attempt against President Trump in the, within the FBI and the DOJ and probably the CIA, how did it get started? That's what he has acknowledged, he, and he said it in Congress, I'm going to get to the root of it. So last week when Barr says, I'm heading off to Italy, a lot of people in Washington got very, very nervous. I'll remind you of those connections in Washington. To start with, in Italy, it, there is a, um, a Maltese professor who is also a CIA asset, the name of Joseph Mifsud, M-I-F-S-U-D. You've heard his name. We talked about him on the show before. Mifsud, whose lawyer has already said to, in an interview uh, reported by John Solomon, Mifsud's lawyer admitted that his client, Mifsud, was a Western intelligence asset who was part of the CIA intelligence operation against President Trump, or against candidate Trump, Donald Trump, in March of 2016. So Mifsud, set up by the CIA, his own lawyer said, part of the, part of the effort of the DOJ, to, uh, of the CIA to take out Trump, Mifsud's in Italy. Mifsud is the one who sat down with the, uh, the poor guy they plucked out of obscurity and met and set up a meeting with George Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos, by the way, when he sees this story that Barr has gone over to Italy last week, Papadopoulos very quickly jumped in and said, oh, he tweeted out, oh, great. Um, he says, A.G. Barr has been on official travel in Italy for the past two days. As I explained months ago on Fox and in my book, Masood was an Italian operative handled by the CIA. Italy holds the key to the kingdom. Right government, right time. So the left is worried that this whole coup attempt plot cooked up apparently within the CIA and the FBI, and I mean, and the DOJ, that this is coming to light, that Barr is going to actually shine the light of truth on what happened. So people are very, very nervous that uh, Attorney General Barr is over in Italy. And to pile onto that, there's another Italian connection that I want to touch on today. And I think this is also making the lefties very, 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 very nervous. But also connected to Italy uh, was a guy, is a guy um, whose name I do not want to mispronounce, but uh, his name is uh, O-C-H, oh, I'm going to say it incorrectly. His name is Giulio Acconero. Let's go Acconero. I'm going to tell you this one time. O-C-C-H-I-O-N-E-R-O. So in Italy, there was an arrest earlier in this year of four, the Italian prime minister asked for the resignations of four top intelligence officials. One of them is this guy, Giulio Ocianero, and his sister. They are kind of spy types over there, and the allegation about them is that they were in the middle of an unbelievable plot to get President Trump, which was to use their nefarious, their skills, their high-level skills, their hacking, you know, cyber skills to plant Hillary's missing emails into American companies' computers, into servers for American businesses, and then have the FBI discover Hillary's emails on these businesses' servers and blame Trump, connect that to Trump. This is what 
is believed to be the case about what was happening inside Italy. It wasn't just setting up Mifsud, meet with Papadopoulos, and that whole thing evolved into where Papadopoulos hears this scoop that Mifsud supposedly tells him, and, and Papadopoulos in turn repeats it to the Austrian uh, downer, uh, Austrian official downer, who in turn call, contacts American officials and says, hey, this guy Papadopoulos says that he has Hillary's emails. All of this was to set up Papadopoulos. And this is the CIA setting up an American citizen to do this. But back to this story, this Ocinero guy, Italian, Italian um, spy type, is alleged to have been part of that or have known about it. And if that comes to light, that during the Obama administration, the relationship between the U.S. and Italy was such that there were official members of the Italian national, the, their spy agency, their national security, who were willing to work on behalf of Obama team to plant Hillary's emails in an American server and, um, and then um, get the... Uh, have Obama, have the uh, FBI like discover those and then ultimately end up having the, um, the, this, you know, traced back to Trump somehow and Trump be blamed for it. So many snakes in this pit. And actually someone's texting me to say, I have this up here. My friends text me sometime. I misspoke. Downer is Australian, not Austrian. I guess I said Austrian. That's my friend. Yes. My friend is saying that. Okay. Australian. He was, you know, Downer was the one that turned the whole story over uh, to the U.S. officials. um, And he was the Australian high commissioner or ambassador to Britain. So all of this plotting against Trump is coming to the surface. But Barr, the overarching point, Barr is digging in. He's going to find out inside the FBI, inside the CIA, inside the DOJ, inside the Italian government, all this plotting to destroy President or candidate Trump's candidacy and then moving forward, how it continued happening even after he won the election, um, how there was a, um, you know, just an ongoing effort to take out Trump. Two other quick points in this story. One is uh, that Barr is now really, really elevated in importance in getting to the bottom of this coup. I mean, he's already a central figure, but because he's becoming more and more central, because he's shown a willingness to actually dig in and find the facts, actually figure out what happened, it's making the left in Washington very, 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 very nervous. So left-wingers always more strategic than our side is, always more strategic. You know, you had Maxine Waters taking some really idiotic shot at Attorney General Barr. Uh, you had Jerry Nadler, the House uh, chairman um, of the um, of, uh, one of those committees. I forget which one he has, but he, Nadler, w- uh, was talking about uh, criticizing President Trump for dragging the Attorney General into this mess. Uh-uh, sorry, buddy. And then you had Nancy Pelosi, describing Attorney General Barr as having gone rogue. Pelosi's term, Barr gone rogue. What they're saying is they want to discredit him. They want to start to have a cloud of suspicion around him so that when he finally comes out with whatever he's going to come out with, you're going to have all these comments by high-level Democrats. Well, he was always kind of suspicious. He was always kind of someone we worried about. You know, we didn't really think that he was very trustworthy. They're just all over Attorney General Barr, who has so far done nothing to them except he's doing his job and making the Democrats very nervous that he's going to end up exposing the whole big fat coup. Final point in this story. One of the best writers and researchers and actual investigative journalists, there are two of them I always credit, One is Sarah Carter, and the other one is this guy, John Solomon, and both have written on the publication, The Hill. 
Well, John Solomon has been the one breaking story after story. This goes way back, the early on when people are starting to say, what in the world is this whole, you know, Russian dossier and the coup and, and these two people, Sarah Carter and John Solomon, put together all sorts of connections that the other media were not going to do. The conservative media weren't going to take the time and the liberal media didn't want you to know. But these two went after it and kept digging and kept getting stories. In fact, John Solomon, during the course of this uncovering this coup inside the FBI against President Trump, tells this story, I've heard him tell it in person and on um, and, and in writing, this story of coming, he was in the middle of writing, you know, he lives outside of Washington, he comes home to his house late at night after working, and he pulls in the driveway and he sees this black suburban type, you know, like the government officials are always driving around these big SUV, black SUVs. So he's a little nervous, who's there, gets out of his car, these two guys walked up and they said, we can't essentially, I don't have the exact words, but this was the gist of it. We can't say who we are, but you're on the right track. Keep digging, you're right, keep digging. He tells that story to say, there are people inside the FBI and the DOJ and probably the CIA who knew that this was an ongoing effort to destroy candidate Trump and then President Trump, but there were some still good people inside those agencies saying, you, someone's got to expose this. Someone has to tell the truth. So that's John Solomon. So John Solomon is now getting also attacked. Uh, three different news pieces in about three days saying, well, John Solomon, he's kind of rogue. He's kind of out there. You know, the typical left-wing sources, Daily Beast, always Daily Beast, B-E-A-S-T, always part of the, you know, anti-Trump, anti-American, anti-conservatism, anti-Republican. If they can do anything to destroy conservatives, Republicans, Trump, you know, they go for it. Daily Beast characterized him, talked about his publication actually as that dodgy DC newspaper. Um, they were talking about John Solomon and his coverage of these uh, the ongoing coup and said, leak memo, colleagues unload on John Solomon, the journo who kicked off Trump's Ukraine conspiracy. So still the left, you got to understand how, how viciously they're holding on to their, their fake story. They want to call what Trump and honestly, Schweitzer uncovered years, four years ago. They want to call Trump's concerns and his pushing Zelensky to look into these concerns about Joe and Hunter Biden in the Ukraine and how Joe Biden's son Hunter with no information or knowledge or training or education whatsoever uh, ended up in the board of this company, which the prosecutor in Ukraine was looking into. And Joe Biden went to that Ukrainian government and said, you're gonna fire that prosecutor or else I'm withholding a billion dollars in US aid. So that, those are undisputed facts I just told you, no dispute. Biden said it on air. But the way the Daily Beast wants to characterize Trump's concern about that, Trump saying to Zelensky, why don't you look into this? Why, why don't you even look into it? That is, according to the Daily Beast, a, their, their words are who kicked the Trump's Ukraine conspiracy, as though it's a conspiracy for Trump to say what Biden has already admitted that he did. Two other sources attacking John Solomon, watch for more media attacking John Solomon because he's one of the truth, he's a truth teller, he is a researcher extraordinaire, he's not gonna let this story die. But folks, this whole effort of the American left to think they're gonna get to impeaching President Trump 
in light of all the facts America now knows about what really happened with the Bidens and the Ukraine and China, I mean, I still tell you this impeachment effort is going to blow up in their faces, but it is going to be a, an extraordinary effort on the part of the left to push this impeachment process. And that turns us to the next story I want to talk to you about today, uh, which is about the impeachment, and, uh, or as I call the prearranged impeachment. I want to remind you, first of all, what the standard for impeachment is. Impeachment, this what has been used as the uh, left-wing dog whistle by you know Maxine Waters, all sorts of leftists. The moment Trump won, he was going to be impeached. Somehow they're going to impeach him, the other they're going to get him. The Constitution actually says, Article 2, Section 4, the President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for, which is what the House does, the impeachment vote, and conviction of, which is what the Senate would do, conviction of, and then here are the reasons you can be impeached. Treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Treason, bribery, other high crimes or misdemeanors. Well, that's part of what, in fact, I cut Rudy Giuliani's uh, clip a little short earlier. He was raising the point when Biden is saying, I'm going to bring about the force firing this prosecutor because he's investigating my son's company. And if you don't do that, if you don't fire him, I'll withhold a billion dollars in aid. I mean, that, that's in the ballpark of bribery, I would say. And this is why the left is so nervous because Biden did everything they want to accuse Trump of. But that's the standard for impeachment. I want to get to one other little point about impeachment um, before I get to the prearranged part. There's been a lot of talk about whether or not, you know, because the Constitution doesn't really specifically address whether an impeachment vote made by the majority of the House, and then suppose you had impeachment and you had the, moved over to the Senate and they convict, so they've impeached. And that is what brings about removal. Is that an appealable decision? The Constitution does not say whether or not someone impeached could take it up to a higher court or take it right to the Supreme Court to raise the question, you know, what constitutes a high crime or misdemeanor? Assuming you can't get treason and you can't get bribery, so you're talking about basically the high crimes part. What does high crimes mean? There was recent uh, talk among uh, pretty well-informed people in Washington saying there's no appeal process whatsoever. Constitution doesn't allow an appeal. So, you know, if you have a Democrat majority in the House and the Senate, and they go for impeachment and they go for removal, then, you know, the president's out of luck. He can't take it to court no matter what happens. I don't think that's right. I did somebody else's show last Friday. We got in this with another lawyer. We kind of got in this discussion a little bit. But I just want to plant this seed about that. The Constitution clearly did not contemplate that presidents should be removed or could be removed because of political disagreements. That's not what the Constitution intended. It is a Constitution is talking about removing someone, whether it's president, vice president, you know, judges you can remove, other high officers you can remove for high crimes and misdemeanors. Well, something is not a crime at all. It can't be a high crime. If it's not a crime at all, then it can't fit under high crimes. If it's not a misdemeanor and it's not, you know, uh, treason or bribery, it has to be a real crime. And even that, I would say, I want you to picture the scenario where 
America became so divided, and we're pretty close now, became so divided that you had a you know, Democrat majority who clearly had the votes there, the number of people in the House and Senate to bring about impeachment, and just move for impeachment because we really always hated this guy, we want him gone. And they came up with some completely concocted false witness who said, oh yeah, yeah, I saw the president do X, and they went ahead and there was clearly no validity to it, no legitimacy, no truth. But if you had a House willing to impeach, a Senate willing to remove, do you really just, is the whole country who chose that president, who elected that president, is the whole country out of luck? Is the president out of luck? I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna tell you that if we get this far, which we're not there yet, and I don't think we'll get there, we have to insist that this kind of decision, which is, to me, what is happening in Washington is patently political. No one really thinks Trump did anything constituting a high crime or even a misdemeanor. No one really thinks, I mean, maybe Maxine Waters, no one who tries to assess the law and look and apply them to the facts really thinks that Trump is guilty of a high crime or misdemeanor, especially in light of what they know Biden did. There's not, it's not even close to a serious assessment but they are driven, the Democrats are driven by their base, their promises they've been giving, given since the day that Trump won the election, that they'd get them out somehow. They have pounced on this because they had created a bit of a, a frenzy in, the, um, in Washington and their Washington bubble and the Washington media. And they, I think Nancy Pelosi and the team just decided this is the best shot we're gonna have. We couldn't get him on Mueller. We couldn't get him on the witch hunt we did. We couldn't get him on conspiracy. We couldn't get him on obstruction. We couldn't get him on electoral college. We couldn't get him on the Milliamans clause. And we couldn't get him on all the other things we tried. Okay, this one, you know, at least at the moment has some teeth to it, or they think it does. So they're jumping at the chance to find something to bring the vote of impeachment forward. So I wanna mention two things about this uh, vote for impeachment. Um, one is that it is not, should not be um, lightly dismissed how consequential it is that the media is talking about impeachment. I'm gonna to get to that story in a moment, but there's some polling some by a, a really reputable conservative polling that shows the more the media talks about impeachment, puts it in the same sentence with Trump, advocates for it, that the, the percentage of Americans who support impeachment goes up. Now to be clear, the majority of Americans are still saying no to impeachment. They cannot, there's no reason to impeach this guy, the majority gets it. Majority of Democrat poll, Democrats poll do want impeachment. But right now it's happening, the House is coming up with their impeachment, uh, the articles of impeachment, and the Democrats, the 18 Democrats, who currently, sit in a U.S. House seat in a district where President Trump won, those folks have been sent back along with other Democrats to go to their home district and talk up impeachment. They've been sent home to their districts. This is actually a break tied to Jewish holidays, Rosh Hashanah, that's an excuse for them. But Pelosi has got these people headed home to their districts to talk up the idea of impeachment, to gauge the idea with their voters. You know, how upset are you gonna be if we impeach the president? Because she knows that some of those Democrats will lose reelection if they vote for impeachment, if their 
their team, their their constituents didn't want the, their their uh, member of Congress to vote for impeachment. She's worried about. She's trying to let them gauge their districts, and she's getting them to talk it up and talk it up and talk it up. This is what she's doing. It's very calculated. When I get to this idea of talking about the premeditated impeachment or prearranged impeachment, I mean a couple of things that are now coming to light. Number one is that the there was a change made by the Democrats after they won the majority again. Remember, they didn't have a majority the first two years Trump was in office, but they had the majority now since the elections in 2018. Democrats made a change to permit a whistleblower complaint that is not firsthand knowledge. That's always been a no-no. That's always been a, you, you can't do that. You can't take a whistleblower complaint that's from, uh, you know, that's hearsay. That's a rumor. You can't impeach somebody. You can't, you can't start down the process of this whistleblower thing if you don't have someone with firsthand knowledge. Democrats changed that rule, changed that rule so that it allows this whistleblower complaint, which, as we've discussed already in this show, but the whistleblower complaint that alleges wrongdoing by Trump in this call with Zelensky is not based on firsthand information. The person says, I, I didn't hear it myself. This is what someone told me and somebody else told me and somebody and uh, other officials happened to say, it is just a, just a big fat, you know, uh, list of rumors, list of secondhand hearsay by someone who is not, did not have firsthand knowledge. This normally would not even have met the standard of constituting a whistleblower complaint. But now it does because the Democrats changed the rules. Another rule change the Democrats made right after they came into office, they got the majority again when they won the midterms in 2018, were changes to the rule about whether or not to launch an impeachment inquiry required a floor vote to start it. Clearly, a floor vote would endanger the Democrats. It would endanger these Democrats, 18 of them who sit in seats that in the districts where Trump won, and also give the opportunity to Republicans to have more leeway, more play, more ability to speak up if a formal floor vote was taken. The Democrats are trying to push this snaky, sleazy impeachment effort going around the, the right of the, Dem of the Republicans to have any say in it, going around the need for a floor vote, pushing it to, through two different committees in two different investigations, trying to basically get to the notion that they can push the um, impeachment thing, pretty much leaving the Republicans out of it. And obviously, Republicans are going to vote against it, but the Democrats have the majority. And I'm saying this not because the Democrats are, have been sleazy, which they have, but because we need to get this, we have to comprehend that this impeachment has nothing to do. This impeachment the Democrats are trying has nothing to do with anything President Trump ever did. It's not about the Zelensky phone call. That is a pretext. It's an excuse. It's, a, it's something they can say, Lisa's been in the media. You had a few media figures having a meltdown about, okay, okay, you know, that this is what it's about. But you have to get this. This is a premeditated, a prearranged effort to impeach the president. The, the decision was made to take this guy out somehow as soon as he won. And as soon as the Democrats won the majority in the House, as they did in 2018, and they have the power to change the rules, and they have the power to change procedures, and they have the power to cut out the Republicans, they went for it. And it wasn't because these are long-term rules they always thought should have been changed. It's because they were laying the groundwork 
to impeach the president. It's vital to understand this. The impeachment effort we're watching in Washington has nothing to do with President Trump's call with Zelensky. It has everything to do with the deep state, the utter determination of the radicals on the American left, of the Democrat Party, frankly, the Uniparty in Washington, whose world is being blown up by President Trump's commitment to drain the swamp. These people decided long ago they're going to find something, and they pounced on this one. And, you know, this impeachment thing, I've said it before in the show, and I, I don't know how to say it in more important ways. Impeachment is supposed to be reserved for serious, grave wrongdoing, bribery, treason, not because President Trump encouraged another country's president to look into the criminal wrongdoing of a past a, a past vice president of this country, a past administration. The craziness of it is, as you heard from uh, Giuliani this morning, the he, Giuliani, saying he didn't have to go digging around to try to find something about Biden that was wrong, that merited serious investigation, that was a, a obvious evidence of, a ser of serious wrongdoing. The Ukrainian government gave it to Biden. So you got the Ukrainian government trying to help America's law enforcement who doesn't want to hear anything about Biden. You ha they have to, they finally get their complaint about Biden, Joe and Hunter and their interaction with the Ukraines. The Ukrainian government pulls together the story, the evidence, the information, the investigation. They hand it off to Giuliani and you have the Washington Democrats with control of the U.S. House acting like they actually mean it, trying to convince you to believe they actually mean that they are moving for impeachment of President Trump over a phone call with Zelensky, given all that we know that Biden did. You've, and at, the reason I really care about this, my last point on this is that it is impactful, no matter whether you think it should be or not, it is impactful how frequently, how vociferously, how uh, determinedly the American left talks about impeachment. Great piece on the Patriot Post, a really smart guy, great writer, Mark Alexander. He's made up a new word. Instead of propaganda, you know what propaganda is, he has polaganda. And he's basically saying that polls show that when the media keeps talking about Trump and impeachment, and impeach Trump, and maybe impeach Trump, that that plays in the minds of Americans and that you see the numbers of Americans saying they think that impeachment should happen go up as the number of times, consistent with the number of times, the media pushes this impeachment idea. In fact, when all the impeachment fervor was going on previously and then the Mueller report came out and, and everyone realized that there was nothing there, that the whole Trump-Russia collusion was a big fat nothing burger. In fact, not just a nothing burger, but a concocted attempt to remove the president by people inside the FBI and DOJ. When that became, when people knew that, the American public being polled, the numbers of Americans in support of impeachment went way down because they realized all this impeachment talk was based on a lie, on a witch hunt. So support for impeachment dropped. But now we have this news story, Zelensky, and this phone call between Trump and Zelensky in July, and the media putting impeachment and Trump in the same sentence. The number, the percentage of people supporting impeachment is going back up. 
So it's vital for everybody listening to my show who loves America, who loves conservatism, who understands that this is just the left trying to remove the duly elected president. They've just, they've just happened on a possible basis to impeach him. This impeachment effort, again, this impeachment effort has nothing to do with anything Trump did or did not do, or that he said or did not say. It has nothing to do with it. It's a concocted allegation, a concocted accusation, a concocted impeachment effort. And the Democrats know that as they keep that word in the media, as they keep talking about it, they increase the number of Americans wanting impeachment inquiry, concerned about it. They are doing this to weaken President Trump. And there's nothing more to it than that. Last story for today, just kind of the most amazing story. I sent the extremely wonderful, uh, very wonderful Matt, a picture of this young man. Uh, well, if you can have his, if you have his picture to put up there, uh, this young guy, uh, his name is Carson King. This young guy on a game day made that handmade poster, which says, if you can't read it, Bush Light, like B-U-S-C-H, the beer, Bush Light Supply Needs Replenished, Venmo, and then he puts his Venmo account name, Carson-King-25. This is a kid on game day, as a joke, was going to a football game and held that up, saying, hey, you know, Venmo me, Venmo me some money, I, I want you more beer. Well, people started Venmoing him. Actually, one particular big sports network, I think ESPN, happened to catch him on camera. Maybe they thought it was funny, so they, they show it, so people see it, so it got to airtime. We started getting all sorts of donations. I mean, big time donations. And then people, he, he said at some point, Jim, raising so much money, I will put the money I raise toward a local hospital. It, it, you know, it, it give it to charity instead of just keeping himself. So this kid, that sweet kid with that sweet face, raised over a million dollars by putting a little note up, hey, Venmo me, over a million dollars, indeed did donate it to a local hospital. And so this is a great feel-good story. You read about him, people call him the Iowa legend, sweetest kid ever, you know, out of college, didn't find his career yet, working security at a casino, happens to go to the game, happens to hold the sign up, gets a million dollars to his name, and he does indeed give it to a hospital. Other organizations, finding this all very entertaining, Bush, the beer, Anheuser-Busch, thought that was entertaining. So they put out a thing, hey, Whatever you put in, and I've forgotten the particular deal they offer because there's several companies got involved saying, hey, you know, we'll, we'll match whatever you put in. We'll double, we'll add something. I mean, all these different companies volunteered to pile on and add money if people did the Venmo thing for this children's hospital. So the kid was just, it was a great story, great feel-good story. You gotta love it. And so, and this kid, he's, his mother's interviewed and his family, he's like this, in fact, he said he's known, this kid talking about himself, that he's kind of known as a softy. He's just really sweet, nice guy. So this Iowa newspaper runs a story about him. And at near the close of the story, they say, after all these accolades and all these companies adding on and piling money in and this hospital is just like, you know, money from heaven from some 25-year-old, and, but this Iowa Des Moines Register newspaper added toward the end of the story, a routine background check of King's social media revealed two racist jokes. And then it describes them and said, the joke tweets, these are joke tweets that were racist in nature, date back to 2012 when he was a 16 year old high school student. So 
you know, he, this kid is asked, you know, why did you put these two racist tweets out? He says, you know, he said something like, you know, I'm embarrassed to recognize how I thought when I was 16. Now he's 25. He's, he's just incredibly generous kid, young man. And all of these spineless, jelly-spined companies like Bush, Anheuser-Busch, and others immediately backpedaled and announced they were severing all connection to this, this kid, Carson King, and they want nothing to do with him, and they're outraged by his statements. I mean, people, I, I have several points about that. Number one, this is, they use this term, the cancel culture. It's like the media finds one bad thing about anyone they want to get, one bad thing, a, a you know, racially insensitive tweet when you're 16, and your entire existence is canceled. You, you have no value in life because one mistake, one stupid mistake, or in his case, two stupid tweets when he was a high school kid are enough to cancel his entire, you know, all he, he he'd been on, by, by the way, he'd been on all sorts of news shows because they're celebrating what a fun thing, great thing, what a generous kid. And yet they, this cancel culture says, no, we found one bad thing about you. You're done. Your life's over. We have no connection with you. We denounce you. Uh, I mean, just hysterical overreaction. And I want to say this kind of junk has to stop. This idea that we cannot figure out in this country that pretty much everyone who's breathing has made mistakes in their life. That we're going to cancel and denounce every aspect. We're going to denounce someone's existence because of a few mistakes from several years ago. Somehow, this cancel culture, to be clear, only applies to good people, only applies to conservatives, only applies to Republicans. Somehow, cancel culture has not found it in their heart to cancel Hillary Clinton's existence on the political stage, regardless of how absurd, how longstanding, how extreme her wrong conduct is. The cancel culture is for wimps, it's for and, and Anheuser-Busch, the board, all these other companies I could list, go, quickly piled on this poor kid. And you know what? I just, I want people to pile on back. Complain to Anheuser-Busch. Are you kidding? This kid is this great thing and you're going to cancel all, several all connections because of two tweets when he was 16? We've got it with this, this cancel culture is just, it is the media that's a problem. It is the belligerent left that turns any mistake, any wrongdoing into just obliterate the person. And it is corporate America that plays along instead of standing up and saying, you know, thanks a lot for criticizing this kid. We're sticking with him. He's apologized. We're done. And that, my friends, speaking of being done, I have to be done because we're about out of time. I'll very quickly turn and tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. First, on America Can We Talk, where we always talk about stories that matter to America. Biden bounced, uh, soon to be bounced out of the race, I'm sure. But if Trump's Ukraine activities are impeachable, then Biden's Ukraine activities are disqualifying to his presidential bid. So is Pelosi's latest impeachment gambit a kill two birds with one stone effort? Yes, that's rhetorical. Yeah, the answer is yes. Biden orders the media not to talk about Giuliani. The totalitarian left mindset on display, even by good old Joe, and stand by for Biden's exit from the Democrat presidential primary. Barr in Italy, the Dems are quaking. Barr's investigation as recent visit to Italy is the reason for Dems' impeachment hysteria. Barr is getting to the bottom of the origin of the Trump-Russia coup attempt. Many nervous Democrats in Washington. Remember, two names associated with the Italian role in the Trump coup attempt. Joseph Mifsud, the CIA asset, 
who planted the information on George Papadopoulos, and Giulio Oshinero, who we talked about earlier, apparently part of some plan to place Hillary's emails in American company servers and then somehow blame Trump. When Barr and Durham and Horowitz issue final reports, both of these names are likely to be in them and for profound reasons relating to the Obama administration's attempt to frame Trump. A prearranged impeachment, yes, that's what it is. Every angle of the impeachment over Ukraine phone call is based on lies. Trump is the only, Trump is the only whistleblower. A third-hand hearsay report of a reported embedded CAA operative in the White House, we didn't even get to that part, is an admission of coup motives. Shifts parody, you know, pretending he was reading the transcript of Trump's call, but he wasn't, was straight out lying to the American people and the world. And there's polaganda, like propaganda, but polaganda, hat tip, Patriot Post, creates impeachment momentum out of pure lies. The Dems changed the whistleblower rules just in time to set up Trump. The American people must resolutely reject this deep state attack. And finally, the cancel culture in America is going to backfire. How many college males do you know who would receive a million dollar gratuitous windfall and donate it to a hospital? I mean, how many adults of any age do you think would receive a million dollar windfall and donate it to a hospital? But today's media culture investigates to discredit anyone and anything good. America's corporate culture and Hauser-Busch, I'm calling them out, cravenly capitulates to a left-wing mob mindset and condemns a young man for mistakes as a 16-year-old. America, the people, the media, and the corporations, we need a renewal of moral backbone. Reject the cancel culture attitude and do not surrender to it. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Please tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. We always talk truth about America because America matters. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Can we talk truth about America?